Rush is back. Our number two, Teddy Lehman here, Travis Davidson, hanging out back in studio with Connor Pasby running the board. Uh, hanging out here at Newcastle Casino, I-44 exit 107, front row sports bar, always a cool spot. They've got TVs on, they've got off-track betting here, easy to watch, easy to, to enter your bet, um, plus all kinds of other gaming, uh, gaming stuff going on here as well. they got the full lineup and uh, always have great promotions as well here at Newcastle Casino. All right, gentlemen, the, um, the coaches' preseason poll – is out the university of oklahoma is number 19 too high too low dead on balls accurate who cares what's our reaction well i know that uh in 2000 we were ranked at number 19 to start the season so Second year, you know, with a coach with some Kansas State ties, uh-huh. left-handed quarterback, right? You know, off a down year. I'm, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, start at 19 in the polls. We're, Played Arkansas State that right? year. Right. We need to. I mean, it seems like uh, at this point, you know, the football gods are just trolling us, going, "Ooh, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, pull the string on these guys once we continue to." Uh, you know, make these similarities happen because it is pretty wild. I I think I would. Texas had a uh, a a freshman quarterback with an NFL last name just showed up on campus. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm 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 ready to uh I'm ready to increase my uh, adjust my wager if uh, you will on the over over under maybe, but. Yeah, I think it's a. I, th- I think it's pretty accurate. I, I I was gonna guess around seventeen or eighteen. So nineteen, not shocking. Obviously, you've got some that think, man, we shouldn't even be close to ranked. What are you talking about? But you know, this isn't. I don't think we totally got the benefit of the doubt because of the logo on the helmet. So Connor, what do you think? I, I think it's pretty accurate, right there at nineteen, just based on how the season uh, went last year, and. Hey, recent memory for Oklahoma. We've had some success when Oklahoma is ranked pretty low, and that's where they that's where they're at right now. Now we're just waiting on the AP poll. I believe in you know, two, I believe in two thousand the AP poll is at number twenty. So if if they have right? OU at twenty, looks like a national championship run. Well, you know, I all in all, I really don't mind it. I mean, part of it is is I. Where do they think you are? Some of it is what did you earn from the previous season? You know, there's a lot of factors, you know, that that come with it. And I think where we are is about right. Uh, You got TCU and Kansas State both ahead of us uh, in the Big 12. And, you know, Texas is up there, but that's kind of a really doesn't, doesn't really count much. But it is what it is. But lost a... All three of those schools last year, okay, and, and Kansas State looks like they're going to be really good this year, in my opinion. TCU, like I said, I'm starting to come around on the fact that they could be uh, pretty good again. And uh, in Texas is always going to be ranked high, and you know they they are what they are. So hey, I all in all, I really got no problem with it. I think there's plenty there for the the team to see and be upset about, be motivated by perhaps, and. Feel like they need to go out and and uh, and perform well and earn some earn some of that reputation back of, of, of what the uniform means. So ah, I'm 
I'm happy with it. I, th- I think what, no problem. I think what's interesting, you know, you kind of touched on coming back around on on TCU. I feel like that's kind of the national perspective too, or at least, I mean, the people that I've talked to is okay. TCU lightning in a bottle, you know, lost the most, like the fourth most uh, kids to the NFL. They lost the Heisman finalist. They lost a first round wide receiver. Uh, I think they lost the Thorpe Award winner. Like that, like they they lost a, a lot of players. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are just like, oh, well, they're going to be done. And I think they start to look around, and I think now everybody's starting to be like, because I've heard you and Tyler say it, I've said it, it's like, well, TCU might actually, you know, they're not going to stink. Like, they're not going to be a bunch of bums. Like, they're not going to go from national title appearance in the greatest season in their school's history to, you know, four and eight. Yeah. Yeah. I... (laughs) You know, let's see what they what they have at running back. You know, they had a really good one-two punch at running back a year ago. If they can continue to run the ball well, that's going to be big. You know, one of the interesting things is like we all know that they got Chandler Morris is going to be their quarterback, and you know they've they've got the new offensive coordinator and Kendall Bryles being there. Which, what does he do traditionally? A lot of quarterback run game. And we know Chandler Morris is really athletic. He's fast. He's shifty in the open field. Uh, and and Max Duggan was good running the ball also, but I think Chandler Morris might be better. And I know that's a – I mean, they're different. Max Duggan was a bigger, more physical type of guy when he got in the open field, would, was more likely to kind of run through tackles than he was to make guys miss. Chandler Morris is different there, but – I think there's a chance that he possibly could be more effective. And then you look at wide receivers, you know, they got some really good players coming back. Savion Williams, the 6'6 kid, he's coming back. Um, you know, and yes, they lost the um, they lost the first rounder, but last year, you know, he didn't have the huge year that I thought he was going to. Now, he came on late and made some really big plays for him late and caught caught a bunch of balls for him. Um, I thought he was going to have a bigger year than he ended up having, but I I don't want to say they're not going to miss him. I just – they're maybe going to miss him less than I imagined they were going to, if that makes sense. I don't know. I'm I'm um, – I'm optimistic for TCU being being pretty good this year. Well, it, feel, it feels like TCU always has size that wide receiver. It doesn't matter who they lose. There's going to be no a guy kidding. next up who's 6'5", 6'6", uh, and they also got a mixture with uh, speed. We saw some speed from TCU last year too. So, I th- yeah, I agree with you. I don't think TCU is going to be a bad team. They're not going to lay off after going to a national championship and have a, have a losing record. Yeah. I don't know. It, we'll see what happens there, but. There are certainly some lightning-in-a-bottle aspects to their season last year, right? Like, I mean, obviously multiple starting quarterbacks, opposing starting quarterbacks, uh, um, happened to not be able to finish games uh, because of injuries. Um, you know, that last – And they just – you know, they hung on for, for you know, several games. They went to that double overtime game against Oklahoma State. That Baylor um, walk-off, uh, you know, walk-off field yeah. goal. You know, as time – Kansas. Is, like, yeah. Barely got out of Kansas. Kansas, I think, missed a, uh, several field goals in that yeah. game. Um, Texas yeah, so, shot themselves in the foot, surpri- yeah. unsurprisingly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they 
which that's not to discredit them. It's just to say that like you have to say like hats off for them finding ways to win those games, which by the way, that's what happens in a typically in a in a championship run. I rarely do you just go absolutely obliterate everyone and just kind of march your way all the way through everything. You got to find a way whenever you don't play your best, maybe you're on the road, maybe you've had a couple of injuries, maybe some some fluke plays or the ball didn't bounce your way on some things. You just oftentimes, usually multiple times in the season, just have to find a way to get out of there with a win, and they did that. Are they going to be able to do it again this year? That's kind of the thing. I, I feel like they're at least going to be good enough to be in the same position in a lot of those games, but are they going to be able to make those plays to win it? Right. It was it was tough for me specifically last year because, you know, my pro team is obviously the Vikings, and we went something like 11-0 and in one-score games. So like the, the craziest stat in, you know, close game NFL history, 11-0 and in close games, and – that was immediately after the set, you know, the Sunday after the Saturday where OU goes what zero and five in one score games, and I was like, golly, like the complete opposite, right? Because at a certain point, you know, close games they always say come down to coaching, but I, but I don't necessarily like. I feel like our close games last year, Teddy, just came down to lack of competitive depth, as Coach likes to say, lack of competitive well, depth, and just. Late, I mean, obviously we made the stupid mistakes when we couldn't afford to make the stupid mistakes, but it seemed like, I mean, when you're on snap 90, you just you give up those third and fourth downs that you just – they're backbreakers. You can attribute, like, close games to all kinds of things, and really it all ends up the buck stops at the head coach's desk, you know. I mean – um, whether it was game plan and you fell short, there's always going to be things that you go back and look at and you say, maybe we didn't have the right plan here. You can go back and look at execution. Uh, you know, where we dialed in and if we don't execute, that's on the coach. And you can look at personnel and guys had drops or didn't make plays that, that they were coached to make and everything was there. They just didn't make it. And well, is the coach playing the right guy? I mean, I think you can always tie it all the way back to coaching, but, you know, I maybe it's because I play. I don't know, but I always, for me, the buck stops at the players. You right. know, when, when you've got the opportunity to make some of those plays, you've got to make them, and that's for us. we got to kick field goals. we got to catch wide-open deep balls. we got to make tackles in the open field. You know, we got to blitz when we're supposed to blitz. We got to cover the back out of the backfield when we're supposed to cover the back out of the backfield. Like to me, right? Yes, that goes back to coaching. But I mean, hell, this isn't little league where you've got three coaches standing out on the field taking little Johnny by the hips and lining him up over the tight end when he's outside backer. I mean, at some point, you've got to take some ownership yourself as a player. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, Teddy, I think that's why DeMarco brought up, you know, kind of in the media day availability when they had the breakout sessions and said, hey, you know, uh, you know, Gavin Sawchuk, we saw him in the bowl game lose that fumble. Is, uh, you know, ball security something you really harp on? And he kind of said, like, no, not really. Like, because you, I don't think you have to tell running backs that they're not supposed to fumble. 
You know what I mean? Like, that they're not supposed to. I mean, obviously, you can run through drills and things like that. Like, that's an obvious, like, an, an obvious thing to do. It's like, they can put you in the position, but nothing that DeMarco did or didn't do with Gavin Suchuk all last year caused him to fumble that football. That was that was Gavin fumbling that football. So to your point, the players have to do that. But I I want to get uh, I want to get your opinion on this after uh, a quick timeout. I've got a text from SEC snob on Ooh. the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. So if you want to hop in on that, it's 405-651-3439. We're going to take a quick timeout after this the rush rolls on. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the rush here on KREF, the home of Sooner fans. Uh, got me, Travis Davidson, uh, sitting in for Tyler McComas. And I got Teddy Lehman with me uh, out at Newcastle Casino. Um, we are going to get right into the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, again, that number is 405 651 3439. And uh, and Teddy, I got I got a text, uh, but I, but I've also got you know it's going to trigger a question uh, for you. So the SEC snob on the text line says, hopefully Texas can stay undefeated long enough for us to kick their tail while they are ranked. Uh, I won't hold my breath because Texas sucks. So <laughs> what? So what side of the aisle do you? fall on do you want texas to be undefeated with a win over bama going into the red river rivalry red river showdown red river shootout whatever you want to call it do you want them to be undefeated and riding high or would you rather nick saban and the boys kick their teeth in and have a one loss or maybe even a two loss texas team come into the uh, state fair well I don't know. It's interesting. I think um, now I'll say as a player, I always wanted them undefeated whenever they come in. I always wanted the two teams to be ranked as high as possible, um, to have as many eyeballs on the game, to have game day there, to have all of that stuff and go stomp them in front of everyone. That's what I wanted as a player. Um I don't I don't think I vary much from that anymore. The only other aspect of it is it's probably better for Oklahoma, like recruiting wise and all of those things if Texas is just terrible. Right? And I don't know. If we're both really good and top five all the time, maybe that's better to have have the the rivalry at that level. Maybe that, maybe it lifts Oklahoma just as much. I don't necessarily know. So, I get. I don't know. Maybe I'm neutral on it. Man, got a career in politics ahead of you, Teddy. That what was, do you? Th- uh, but I don't know. Does it? I does want it Texas to us? lose every single game that they play, <laughs> no matter what, because that's the thing. It's 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 the same conversation about when people are like, "Oh man, I want Lincoln Riley to make it to the playoff and us beat him in the playoffs." Okay, let me say this, though. Uh, To that point, I think when we move to the SEC, and I think you could probably already say now, I think there was a time in the Big 12 where it was to our benefit if Texas would have been way better than they were. Right? 
with where the with where the conference ended up, and we just we, there was not national relevance for that long. I think that hurt Oklahoma in a recruiting sense that you know no one in this conference is getting drafted, no defensive players are going in the first round. I think that narrative hurt Oklahoma, and I think Texas was a big part of that. But now with the SEC, I don't think that that matters anymore. So right. maybe I do want them to lose every game. Right, and it's, I mean, we've got, obviously we had Jaden Jackson. We were going up against them directly for him. We've got, uh, obviously, upcoming Dominic McKinley, you know, five-star defensive lineman where it looks like OU and Texas are uh, right there in the mix. You had Eugene Brooks, uh, the offensive lineman who came down to OU in Texas. So, in my and maybe I just because I'm I pay attention so much to recruiting and talk about recruiting so much, maybe I'm a bit biased towards how it affects recruiting. Where since you actually played on the team, you're probably a bit more biased towards your experiences actually playing the game and understanding. Hey, look, when we play these guys, we want them ranked as highly as possible. So it's it's completely possible that just our experiences and biases are pulling us to two different sides of of the answer but here's the thing and fans fans can say and i agree you want them to lose every single game and that's fine but and that game is always incredible but it's different if it's a top five matchup if both teams are in the top five or in the top 10 it's it just it's different than it is if you got a team coming in that's already lost two or three games and is unranked and the others maybe got a loss and is, you know, in the top 20 or top 15. I, no, it feels different. It It's definitely different. And there's, even though it's already as intense as it can be, you just, you just up the level of tension that much more. You also, uh, you know, you also run the risk of if Texas loses a couple games and everybody's down on them and then – we end up losing that game, that looks way worse. It's happened before. Uh, that looks well, way worse. A, that doesn't matter. I, I it, 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 No one is going to say if Texas is undefeated in that game, well, you know, that's a Texas team that beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. I didn't think we were going to win that game. No. <laughs> It's not. It will not matter at all, in my opinion. Well, if they lose to Rice and then beat us, then yeah. I, I well, think okay. <laughs> we might have we might have some other issues. But uh, I do want to touch on something real quick because it's something we're going to be talking about a lot over these airwaves um, for the next couple weeks at least. Um, many of you have seen on our social media that we will be moving a separate direction from the ninety four point seven FM signal. We will still be on with some of our other affiliates like 1400 and 1430 AM in Tulsa. I mean, then here in Norman as well, I believe 99.3. So with that being said, uh, I know that uh, apparently I've got some texts that some of our adoring fans at another station uh, in Oklahoma are, are, are talking about us uh, today. So what are they saying? Oh, that uh, I'm not quite sure. Um, Just the, the text line has been letting us know, which, First of all, the text line is wild. They're tuned into two stations right now, or they're doing some recon work for us. But we do appreciate the love from the other station. Um, but we are not going anywhere. Um, we are just not on the 94.7 signal here coming up. Now's the best time 
The best time was yesterday or the day before to download the KREF app, but go to the App Store, download KREF. It's a free app. It's always crystal clear no matter where you are in in the world, anywhere in the world. Daily, we have people listening from all over the world. So do that. It's crystal clear. And if you miss something, then you can just hop on the app, go find it in the podcasts, and uh, say somebody read your text. Uh, say somebody, you, you know, you, you went, uh, you know, you went and called in or there was you know an advertisement you wanted to hear there was there was some special going on uh, out there at Newcastle Casino that you wanted to learn more about like you can just get on the app and go to the podcast section so uh, it's very clean uh, very again crystal clear download the KREF app now so if you hear any rumors that we're uh, you know we're going uh, we're going somewhere we're not we'll see you we'll see you every day on these airwaves and we'll see you out at every OU game doing pregame postgame all the good stuff we do every year yep it, it's uh it's not optimal there, there's there's no doubt about that um, obviously 947 is a it's a huge stick there in Oklahoma City I'm confident um, we'll get that figured out in the near future and uh and have another great option there but tons of affiliates across the state the app is in my opinion the best way to listen anyways um so yeah just download the app if you don't have it already i i thought this was funny i saw that we posted that this morning on social media and i uh i looked at the comments and in the comments i saw that someone posted well, you lost a listener. And I I thought, think about that. It's way more difficult to scroll social media, see that post, respond to that post, and send it than it is to click the app and listen. So I, I was just, I thought that that was like the funniest thing ever. You're not going to listen now because you can't tap a button on your phone. I thought that was uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Teddy, I have a sneaking sneaking suspicion that that person uh, probably didn't tune in very often, anyways. Um, But you know, it is what it is. Like you said, probably uh, you know, resolve something in the future. But for right now, make sure you download the the uh, KREF app. Like I said, when I'm in Tulsa. And I, it, I have it available to me on 1430 a.m., and I still listen to the app. So that's what I prefer. Like I said, I don't. I, I like listening to it crystal clear, the reception every time, listen to our local partners. And what's great is it's better for us because when, when we can get more information about our listener base, where you're coming from, uh, like where you're listening, things like that, we can tailor – our services to the listener and to the customer so it only helps us continue to bring you a better and better product so uh speaking of bringing products teddy tell us about newcastle uh, uh right uh, right quick what's going on out there uh just watching uh watching someone across from me win a jackpot earlier which was pretty cool um i'm hanging out in front of the front row sports bar where they've got off-track betting they've got tvs everywhere it's a real cool fun place to to stop in have a beverage uh bartenders behind the uh, bar really really good they're always here i i see them every time i walk in and 
Usually mix me up uh, an ice cold water whenever I come in, which is really nice of them. <laughs> on the rocks. So, no, it's, yeah, on the rocks. Really cool spot here, though. Like I said, off track betting, which is a, a lot of fun. You've got all kinds of table games. They've got everything out here in Newcastle Casino. I 44, exit 107. We'll be back. Is back. Our number two rolls on. Teddy Lehman here at Newcastle Casino. I 44, exit 107. Travis Davidson and Connor back in studio. Let's get back to uh, to some text messages, Travis. What do we got brewing on the text line? Um, let's see. Let's see. We had. Let's see. Oh, here, here's a good one from the nine way regarding the Texas. Do we want them to be good or not? Conversation uh, from the nine way. It says we want Texas to be just good enough to retain Sark. We don't want right. Joey McGuire coaching in Austin. Joey McGuire's doing some nice things down there at Tech, Teddy. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, I often say is like, don't you you don't want things to go so bad. Like, we're rooting against Texas and rooting against Sark. Yeah, I totally understand that, but you never know who that next hire is going to be. I you want him to be just good enough to be able to survive and have the future. Right, that next season is always going to be the year. You never know who they might end up hiring that could be the right person to to change things down there and you know i'll say it i i think sarkeesian is doing actually a pretty good job down there at texas it doesn't mean i i think they're going to be as good as everyone's saying this year but i think he's at least approaching things in the proper way it doesn't seem to have the dysfunction that we've seen in the past but uh there's always time for that to show back up i guess right it is it is not dissimilar to how I feel about the quarterback situation there, Ted. Yeah. It's, I, I want Quinn. I don't think Quinn is nearly as good as what who everybody thinks he is. Uh, you know, going into his third year, you know, in college football last year, he was at best, at absolute best, the fourth best quarterback in the Big 12. Um, you know, he's getting a lot of first-round pick noise, top end of the first round, Heisman, you know, conversation, that kind of stuff. Well, I don't know. I, I would I would like him to perform basically just like he did last year because I don't want to see Malik Murphy in there. So, like, that's that's kind of where I am. We can definitely talk that way about Sark, but I'm going to talk that way about Quinn, too. I want him to do just well yeah. enough to keep his job. Yep. No, I, I agree with that. So, we started off the show. We were talking some, uh, some training camp and Sooners up there. I think they had the day off yesterday, had a practice today, a little bit of media availability up there. What's some of the scuttlebutt out there regarding training camp? What are people talking about? What have we heard? Well, you know, a little bit has been made of Savion Bird being with the ones on the offensive line already. Um, mm-hmm. How do you how do you think that that left guard position shakes out? I mean, you and I have talked about Savion Bird being you know one of the more talented guys. I know the staff has talked about how he's super talented. Might have come in a touch light into fall camp and and you know the conversation about him a lot of it has just been he needs to to mentally be there you know every single day with the right attitude to be a leader you know on that uh, offensive line but how do you see kind of that left guard situation uh, playing out and do you put any stock into him being consistently with the ones so far um well he ran with the ones quite I was out there Saturday at practice and he ran with the ones quite a bit out there. It's hard to tell, you know. He had some 
from all of the offensive line that day, he stood out to me a couple of times. But here's the thing: like you can't watch everybody. But he had some he had some blocks where he did stand out, and he was all pumped up afterwards. Had some pancakes. Uh, he was moving some bodies. Uh, there's no doubt about that. That's never been his problem, though. What his problem has been is those other plays whenever maybe he's not sure or he misses an assignment or misses a twist or doesn't communicate properly. And those are the things that I can't see in a live practice watching 22 guys out there, you know. So he had some wild moments, and he was running with the ones quite a bit. So uh, it would not shock me if – if he won that job, I mean, dare I say, I, I would think that he would even be the favorite going in because of some of the ability that he has and the aggressiveness that he has. Um, we'll see. I, if he if he can get it all figured out and have some start to have more consistency and and be able to, you know, raise the uh, the level of right his floor, right his bad plays. If his bad plays can be you know less frequent and not as poor as they've been in the past i what he can do on his good plays is incredible right and i feel almost like what we saw you know in the bowl game you let that guy run block and yeah he's excited and i think that's where you know we've kind of talked about how we want to see this year's offense kind of lean into that run because you've got the talented backs you've got you know the quarterback run you know, capability in Levy's offense that will really open some things up. You know, you're still waiting to see, you know, who's going to pop at wide receiver. You don't have a ton of tight end depth. Like, I feel like I feel like this offense and how they're going to, you know, kind of run it this year specifically, it really plays towards Savion's strengths. Uh, and it's, I don't know, I, I, I think it's one of those him – Justin Harrington, Key Lawrence, Marcus Major, and not quite Savion to those those levels of some of those other guys, but it's kind of a uh, you know like you got to you got to you got to have your year finally right like w- yeah. like when are we going to see it? So you think you think this is that year for uh, Savion Bird? I think it could be. I think it could be. You know, I um, I wouldn't count out the uh, the Schaefer kid. Um. And I wouldn't count out Caden Green. You know, I, I think that they've got some good options there, and which is a good thing to have, like a, a good, physical, tough battle there for a guard position, interior guard position. I think can go a long way in in getting those guys to play more aggressively, maybe than they would otherwise, knowing that. They got to fire off. They got to move some bodies. They got to be locked in in order to to win that job. So, I think that could uh, end up being a good thing. All in all, and I also think that it helps that um, the kid from App State is there. He could play some guard as well, and he's also going to be able to push Rame a little bit at center. So, all of those things considered, I expect there to be a really large jump in the in the like the grittiness and and the toughness and, you know, the way we run the ball between the tackles with those interior three position, guard, center, guard, should should have a totally different feel this year than it did a year ago, at least I hope. Yeah, and, and, and you kind of, uh, you know, you bring up, 
you know, bringing in somebody to push Andrew Rame. What do you think, specifically through that lens of bringing somebody in like Connor Near to push Danny Stutzman? I love it. I not only to push and to and, and to have a little bit of discomfort there and, and and feel like you're just so locked into your spot. It doesn't matter how you play. I think that's always a good thing. But I think more than anything, it's it's the security blanket aspect of it. Right? You know, and we've talked about it a lot throughout the off season. And I hate to mention it because I don't, you know, don't want to bring atten- unneeded attention to it. But if if you lose Stutzman and Connor Near wasn't there, you don't have anyone that's played any snaps. So. It's just not a not a position you want to be in. So I think that's the biggest thing he brings to the roster. And also, yes, you get some little bit of a uh, little bit of position battle thrown in that, but it's just the experience factor. And he's got a tough time getting up to speed in this defense and, and he will because you know he kind of understands it and he'll be able to, to draw from his experience where he previously played. but uh, to me, that's the biggest thing is you get yourself a little bit of a safety net there should you lose one of your backers because you don't, you don't have anyone that's going to have any experience to go in. Right, and you, you talk about kind of pushing uh, you know, the starters. Obviously, we talked about Rame. Uh, we talked about Danny Stutzman. But Dylan Gabriel is going to be pushed too. He's going he's to be pushed. He's going to feel that heat on him because, you know, coming in, you know, last year – I mean, we were trying to recruit a backup quarterback position where they literally were saying, hey, come to OU and be the backup. Come to OU and be in the backup. Like, it's just got to have a different feel with Jackson Arnold kind of breathing down Dylan Gabriel's neck. I mean, I know that we've, you know, really got after it on these airwaves with that position specifically. Um, but, you know, it can, it can only improve uh, the competition and the overall, um, I guess, product that gets on the field. But this, uh, this text comes from the 405. Um, we'll we'll hit this text and then we'll hit a, a quick break before our last uh, segment of this hour. But Teddy's thoughts on Desan McCullough seems like a fully grown man. Yeah, he's he's still progressing. He's um, playing that cheetah spot a little bit. I think he may even bump in from time to time in some of the sub package and, and maybe play the will in the sub package. Um, you know, he's he's still raw still learning a new position he's just you know he he's he's in a whole new world and i i'd be i'd be shocked if he's if he's much of a threat to to be a starter at the at the cheetah spot um it's just it's it's so much for him to learn but i think he's got a really high ceiling and i think he's going to end up being really really good at that position and he's improved he looks better than he did in the spring. Uh, he was, you know, he was fish out of water those first couple of spring practices trying to pick up that cheetah spot. He looks much more at home now than he did. Still got a ways to go, but I think he's got a really high ceiling, and I'm looking forward to, to see where he goes. And I know he flashed, uh, you know, a couple of nice plays there in the spring game, and it's got people all excited to see him out there. And I, I don't want to dump cold water on that i just you know you got to give the guy some time he's playing an entirely new position 
And the guy that's going to be playing there, like I said earlier, I think that Justin Justin Harrington at the cheetah position is the potential to give us the single largest jump from last year to this year at any position on the entire team. Well, a lot of people are hoping so. Uh, they've uh, they're they're saying they've they've heard this story uh, before about Justin Harrington, and uh, they're going to believe it when they see it. But we can touch on that on the other side. We got one more break uh, here before we wrap up hour two on the rush. Stay tuned. All right, one last segment to wrap up hour two of the rush on this wonderful Monday. It's me, Travis Davidson. Got Teddy Lehman with me. He's out there at Newcastle Casino. Uh, this is K-Rep, the home of Sooner fans. Uh, one, you know, we got a little short segment here. So I want to get your opinion on this, Teddy. Uh, we had a text from the 918. It is a very, very long text. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But this texter went back and analyzed all nine conference games to uh, see uh, – there was a bit of a conspiracy the Big 12 had against Oklahoma. Huh. Okay. Uh, said that, uh, you know, through the first five games, zero offensive holding calls were made against Oklahoma opponents. All in all, through nine conference games, only two holding penalties. Now, do you feel the uh, feistiness uh, between the Big 12 and Oklahoma, whether it be their deputy commissioner saying that uh, we were reluctant brides or – I don't know, our own Coach Stoops saying uh, they didn't even know who that guy was and we uh, the facts are the facts. Like, do you see, do you see officiating being as, as lopsided as it was last year? Obviously, Texas had a situation where against Oklahoma State, I believe they had 14 or 15 penalties, and Oklahoma State had a perfect, clean game with zero penalties whatsoever. Do you... Do you buy into that much? Do you think that's something we're going to see, or is it just a, hey, line it up and deal with it? I don't know. I I want to believe that there's something there, but if there was, it would be the dumbest thing in the history of any, like, college, pro, whatever, sports think about it a team is leaving to go to a different conference and you have a conversation with the officials of that conference about calling games more difficult against them than the other teams in the conference now how big of a scandal that is that a conference would weigh in on officiating to favor some teams and make it more difficult on others. And I'm not saying that stuff like that doesn't happen, but if it if it does, there's a chance it gets out. And if it gets out, I that can totally deleg, delegitimize everything. It seems like an awful lot to risk to try to stick it to Oklahoma, you know? Yeah, but it can't be a coincidence, right? I mean, the team that leads the league in – tackles for loss all of a sudden never gets held wouldn't it wouldn't it stand to reason that the team that is being the most aggressive in their tackles for loss wouldn't wouldn't that be the team that would get held more theoretically yeah but i mean i think it boils down to the crappier you are as a team the more 
of an effect officiating has on your win-loss record and how you play a oh, game. Yeah. I agree with when that. When you're a better team, some of those things don't matter. You're able to overcome them. Whenever you can't overcome them, we always go back and we look at it and we and we detail it. I in I it's another thing. Is I just I would I would point the finger more at that than I would officials blatantly not calling something, knowing that it can affect like their grade as a as a crew to stick it to Oklahoma. I just I don't know, man. Why do they care? They're officials. They they well, don't care. I mean the the conspiracy theorists would contend that, you know, they they don't want OU and Texas uh, maybe winning the uh, conference championship, maybe even playing in the conference championship. They want it to seem like their league isn't as dependent on OU and Texas, and it would be a bad look, I guess, for the conference if the you know the last couple of years they're in the conference that OU or Texas wins. So I don't it know. It would be, but it could possibly bury the conference if it was found out. You know what I'm saying? That's why they're a basketball conference now. But (laughs) we're wrapping up hour two. We'll see you guys on the other side. Last hour of the rush coming up.